Welcome to the Mompreneur Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Moran. Just like you, I'm a mom entrepreneur on a mission to live a present and productive life, to be around for all the moments with my kids while also following my dreams and passions. Join me each week as I uncover a new tip or trick that will help you live your life just as you want and with as much ease as possible. Let's get started with today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mompreneur Guide podcast. Today's episode is going to blow our minds, I know it, because I have Thea here with me. And Thea is the amazing behavioral analyst that we had who helped us sleep train our kids. She's become a friend. I have learned so much from her. And I just knew when I was getting this show together and figuring out what are all the things that we need to know to be present and productive as mompreneurs. I knew that I had to have her on to tell us the science and all the details of what we really need to know, what happens with our kids in regards to being present and productive. So I am going to jump into her bio. I'm going to just gush about her a little bit because she's helped us so much. And then we're going to move into her timeline and I'm going to let her share all of the juicy details she has about the amazing work that she does. Thea Walker is a work at home mom to an adorable toddler named Jude, a wife, a board-certified behavior analyst, and the owner of Teaching Tinies. From early childhood behavior to sleep, Thea pairs her impressive background with the most recent science-based strategies to empower parents to confidently respond to their children. When Thea started her career, her intention was to help children. She quickly realized that in order to help a child reach their full potential, it takes a team. The captain of that team is you, the parent, and the research-based techniques she's been teaching them have not only brought joy back to parenting, but have also helped them maximize their time with their children. Parents gain confidence and children are given the structure and consistency they need to thrive. Helping every child reach their full potential is her life's work, and we are a testament to that. As I mentioned, Thea is not only an amazing mompreneur, but she is also our personal sleep consultant. She helped us sleep train Jack at 18 months, which was days after Sophia was born. And then she helped us sleep train Sophia at five months while we were also potty training Jack. And she gave us some tips for not only training him, but also getting him used to having a sister. So I was so grateful for our experience with Thea. And I've told everyone that we know about her. So of course I had to share her with you too. In my mission to be a present and productive mompreneur, I felt it was important to hear the science and recent studies about being present with our kids, the impact our phone time is having on them, and how we can be the best role models we can be for them. So Thea, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I know I'm bursting with excitement and curiosity for this episode, not only because we're buddies, but also because I have some stories about this topic that I want to hear your scientific take on. But before we hop into all those juicy details, can you start by sharing your mompreneur timeline? I love walking through this and would love to hear where you started in this space and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Megan, for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you face-to-face yes. and, and share everything with your podcast listeners. I mean, obviously parenting is, is tough. And a lot of times, what do I listen to? Because we've got stuff thrown at us um, from all directions. So I'm so happy to be able uh, to share what the science is actually saying and give some tips that people can start implementing today to start making them feel more confident and to be able to be more productive in their time with their children, but also whenever they're not with their children. Mm -hmm. So how it all started for me, I was a new mom and had planned on going back to work to some extent, but 
we entered a pandemic. <laughs> so my job was put on hold. And my job at the time was I was working in early intervention, helping parents in their homes. And obviously during a pandemic that ended. So I was now home with a soon to be five month old. And I'm all about people really recognizing their gifts and their talents and getting fulfillment out of sharing their gifts. And I, I know that I have a gift in terms of what, the, what I do, and I'm really proud of that. So I couldn't stand the thought of families being in desperate need of the services that I provided and being stuck at home with zero support. And I also still needed that creative outlet for myself in order to be personally fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So with a newborn and having not been on social media at all in about three years, where was the natural place to start? Instagram. <laughs> Kidding. Of course. <laughs> so I had to learn this animal of social media and teach myself web design again, reacquaint myself with this technology. I sound like such a grandma, <laughs> but that's how that ball kind of started rolling for me. And I didn't really necessarily go into it with a concrete plan, just a couple services in more of a telehealth style. And it took off and I've gone where my followers and where my clientele have said that there is a need. And like I said, it, it's really organically grown. And my ability to reach families and children, it's unlimited. And it's such a cool thing. And it's so fulfilling for me knowing that. Mm -hmm. There's so much that we have to unpack about your journey. Because first off, I didn't realize that it was so soon between I mean, I guess it wasn't, it was about a year, but between when you started your company and when we worked together, I didn't realize it was that close of a timeline. Mm -hmm. I love that. So while I've been helping families in their home, consulting with other companies, yes, mm -hmm. it was pretty soon after I officially had started teaching tinies that you and I started working together. So yeah, mm -hmm. it was really fun. And at that point, Jude was roughly about six months when I started this. And it probably took me five, six months to build a website, to figure out a plan on social media, to bulk create some posts, to build a smallish following back then. So it's been yeah. probably about a year and a half now since I've been on Instagram, sometimes more consistently than others, because I'm still, like I said, figuring this out on my own. As we all are. <laughs> right. So yeah, that, that's how it, it went for me. Yeah. I love that you took action. You realized, okay, shoot, we're in this pandemic. What are we going to do? But you kept the mission that I talked about in your bio, which is that you want to help every child reach their full potential. And so that didn't get forgotten in anything that you did. You just realized, like you said, you had unlimited reach in going down this different path and you continued on your path to help children in doing that. I think that's amazing that you didn't lose sight of that. And you recognized in yourself how much you can help other people, because I think a lot of us can have imposter syndrome when we're running our own businesses, especially as solopreneurs, because it's just us and we can get in our heads. And so I am personally so grateful that you saw that in yourself, which we see as your customers, how amazing you are. And like, yes, please help me and don't go anywhere because you're so valuable. And so I'm so grateful that you saw that in yourself too, and was able to take action on it by starting your company and doing so much in 18 months. You have grown to a referral-based company now because you've taken the time to lay that groundwork and everybody knows that you're the go-to person in this space now, which is obviously why I had to have you join us here on the podcast as well. 
Well, and I also feel like I was approaching this in a unique way because of the experiences that I had. Not mm-hmm. only did I have my science background from my education, a master's in behavior analysis, so really learn how to dive into research and recognize essentially what's real and what's not. And to read a study and to look at strengths and and weaknesses and different variables that might be affecting the results. And so I had that unique skill, but then I also had this experience of working one-on-one with families with young children and seeing the personal side. So it can't just all be science all be personal and how I think it should be because of my feelings. Mm -hmm. There has to be a middle ground. And so you can take the science and you can take your values. And this is what you have to do to be a confident and successful parent. How does this science fit or not fit my values? And does this work for me? And if it does, fabulous. If you say, no, actually this isn't in line with my parenting values, ditch it because it's not going to work for you. And that's okay. Some things are going to work, some aren't. But taking what's based in science and either using it or ditching it is so necessary because right now, especially in this world of social media, Mm -hmm. everything is a headline. Everything is catchy. There's so much based in fear and that's not fair to parents. That's what I see all over social media is timeout will ruin your child or it's don't because of this reason or that reason. And it's all based again in in catchy headlines and extremes and scare tactics. Mm -hmm. And again, as parents, it's not fair. Even me, I had this unique education of being able to look at the science, but I still question my decisions all day, every day. Because again, as a parent, that's just what we do out of love for our children. (laughs) So to have that and all this external pressure from these headlines, we're bombarded with it all day, every day. It's it's tough and Mm -hmm. it's scary. And so it's so important to me to recognize that I have this unique experience hearing these things from families that I've worked with in the past, having my education, but now even this unique experience of I'm a mom. Right. And so not only am I hearing it, I'm experiencing it firsthand. Yeah. So my parenting strategies are all based in research, but they're also based in this, I'm in the same boat and here's how we can make it practical and actually work with your daily life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That was part of what I was going to mention. And I want to talk about your expertise, just touch on that a little bit, and then we can go into using that expertise to tell us the strategies, but the walking the path with us, I think that's so important. And part of why I wanted to have fellow mompreneurs on the podcast is because we really get it. Like we can really, really relate to each other in that way of like, we know all the behind the scenes. And I think that that personally for me is something that helps me when working with people is to know that we understand each other on that level. And you are walking through this with us and you really do get it. And then that paired with the education and your science background, because I agree, I think not just in parenting, but in anything business related, you go online and you see all these my way or the highway or people using studies with no background or saying stuff that's not even scientific and not studies. And it's not my background either. And I've learned some of this from you and just some of from what I've seen in the space, but that drives me crazy. I agree with you. There's not my way or the highway. There's figuring out what works for you, but I like to be armed with as much information as I can, science information as I can, not just like Joe Blow's 
opinion on something, like I want to know what are the actual effects of how it will affect my kids. So I love that you have the education and the empowerment the science plus the values. It's figuring out that path for you, which is exactly what I talk about in my audio training, my mompreneur with ease method. I talk about the three pillars that I need set up in my life in order to be as present and productive thus far as possible. The things that I've uncovered. And one of the things I talk about in the strategy part is about clarity. And I'm not here to tell you that this is how you have to set up your mompreneur life so that it works. I'm telling you, I'm your case study. Here's what works for me. Here are basic strategies that I have found work. Now you take it and run with it and do what you need to do. And so I love that we have those same mindset and that same value around figure out what works for you, but make sure you have the right information and you're listening to the right people, science and things, not just opinions or scare tactics. hundred percent. And I mean, it's important to recognize too, that a lot of people say that they're based in science and things like that, almost fraudulently use that statement and will make very big, bold, all or nothing claims. And I think it's also really important for parents to recognize that science and these research findings actually aren't that black and white. They're not that extreme one way or the other. Science is much more nuanced than that. Whenever you read a study, they talk about strengths and weaknesses and considerations for future research. So again, even though things are based in science, when you see those bold all or nothing claims, really question that. India science is just so much more nuanced. Yes. Yeah. It makes me think of two things. One thing that has come up a lot for me lately, more in the business space, but it also relates. I think I'm realizing that I've noticed this in my parenting space as well Is like, there's so much absolutism out there right now. And I've noticed with parenting my children, I stop and I don't try to say we have to do this this way or that way. I'm more in the flow, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel with business too. And it reminds me of, I don't know if you've heard of Adam Grant and his book, Think Again. Yeah. Okay. So he talks about think like a scientist because you're always getting new information and you're always optimizing and growing and changing. And I think that that hits your point perfectly of, yeah, scientists and science is always evolving and growing and we're learning more and we're taking that information and we're changing. And I think that that is so important in all of us to give ourselves grace and to know let's work on being the best that we could be in this moment and know that it's going to change and having a guide like you who knows how to read that and knows things like the nuances that science is not black and white and it's evolving is so, so helpful. So Thea, tell us, what do we need to know? Tell us about the science that you've uncovered in terms of being present and productive with our kids. Screen time, any other tidbits that we need to know about how we can best show up and be models for our kids when we are in the moment with them? So the way that I present information a lot of times is based on my personal experience. So what am I experiencing right now? What did I learn from this? Let me dive into the science around this and then share it with you. Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest things that I learned early on was the importance of sleep and sleep as a behavior. A lot of times you hear sleep is biological. You can't teach sleep. Sure, you can't teach sleep, but you can teach the skill of independent sleep which is what I'm talking about as a behavior. Mm -hmm. And so I recognize that having that skill was crucial because to be the best version of myself, 
as a parent, as a wife, as a working person, Mm -hmm. I needed sleep. And same with my child to be a happy, thriving, creative, engaged little boy. He was better whenever he had sleep. Mm-hmm. So I dove into the science of sleep and the science of independent sleep as a behavior. And how can I best teach that? I've helped families with sleep for years, but how can I now create this as a way to share with the masses essentially? Right. And so that's where I started was making sure that I was the best version of myself so I could best show up for everyone around me. And so that started with sleep. And that also allowed me to model the importance of mental health and taking care of yourself for my child. That's something that I still am very conscious of. If I'm feeling off, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I allow myself to step back, reevaluate, take a break, ask for help where you need it. Sometimes, unfortunately, for a lot of people, mental health can be a taboo topic. I mean, taking care of your mental health, especially, it's so important and modeling that for Jude, especially because I'm home with him all day long, Mm -hmm. is something that I recognize as a gift that I'm giving him. Yeah, I want to just pause real quick there because I love what you said about, like, we think of the modeling portion of we need to be the best versions of ourselves. Or I think we've heard that a bit with self-care. It's like, you have to do the oxygen mask theory and be the best version of yourself in order to be best for them. But I have never thought until you said that right now, the flip side of it for my kids, like for my kids to be the best version of themselves and to show up and feel ready and prepared for the day. But I just never really put myself in their shoes. And so I love that you said that the first thing that we need to do to help our kids be the best versions of themselves is the same stuff that we have to do for ourselves to be the best versions. Sometimes we have to recognize oh, what we're doing for them, we also need to do for ourselves and vice versa. I think sometimes we need to recognize what we're doing for ourselves. Oh, we need to offer that to our kids as well. 100%. Well, and there's this weird, almost like competition or like a medal that you can get for the mom that's the most sleep deprived and the most run down and who's doing the most. And I don't want my child to ever feel like it's a good thing to be in that position and to put yourself through that. Because at that point, Again, you're not showing up for the people around you in the best way that you possibly can. Mm -hmm. So it's very important for me as someone that is a mom all day, every day with their child one-on-one, but that's also working every day to model for him that balance and the importance of that and the importance of making sure that you're okay up here mentally in order just to thrive and show up how you need to and the best that you can. Yeah. I want to go down a a little tangent there because this question just came to mind. I have been doing with Jack, I have been trying to be very vocal and I've learned this from you of letting him know what's going on and helping him understand what's going on for himself. And so I think I have come to realize along the sleep path that if I haven't gotten enough sleep or I'm off or irritated or I'm hangry or something like that, I know for myself as an adult, like, oh, I'm having problems with other parts of my day. I'm getting more frustrated more easily, X, Y, and Z, because I know X, Y, Z is my pain point, the no sleep, the hunger, or trying to do too much at once. Those are things for me. So I've been trying to verbalize with Jack when I notice he's getting frustrated, like, Jack, do we have rumblies in our tumblies is what we say? Do we need a snack? Are we hungry? Like kind of talking him through so he can recognize what is going on with himself. Talk to us about 
strategies. And I'm pretty sure you taught me that. <laughs> so talk to us about strategies like that with, okay, we kind of all know sleep is important, but when it comes to figuring out what helps us be the best versions of ourselves, how can we help our kids through that too? At a very basic level, mm-hmm. children learn through modeling. I have a person who I trust. I watch what they do. And because I trust them, I am going to then engage in that behavior to see how that outcome works for me. And then if it's a desirable outcome, they will continue to engage in that behavior. Mm -hmm. So modeling is the biggest thing that you can do for your child. Modeling behaviors that you want to see. And Mm -hmm. then the second would be your your spot on, verbalizing those things. So if you see a behavior that your child's engaging in that you want to see continue, say it out loud. Jack, you are working so hard picking up your toys. I bet it makes you feel so proud. I know that I'm proud of you. And so it can sound a little foreign sometimes, just really verbalizing all of those behaviors you want to see improve. Because Mm -hmm. I mean, as humans, our brains are so hyper-focused on negative. It's just how the human brain is wired, unfortunately. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times we're only pointing out things that we want to see stop. So we're saying no, we're saying don't, rather than really pointing out the behaviors that we want to see increase. And so a simple thing that you can start implementing today, science shows a ratio of five to one is the minimum that's required in order for a behavior to increase and maintain attachment. So for every time that your child is being told something negative, so that's a correction, being told no, being told don't, something like that, they need to hear five instances of praise. So like I was saying, you're working so hard. I love how you're doing that. Wow, that's such an awesome picture. I love the blue color, something like that. Five instances compared to every one. And so once you really start recognizing how often you're correcting your child, rather than giving them some form of praise or acknowledgement, it's very eye-opening. So being very mindful of that and really making sure your ratio is on is something you can start implementing now that I can guarantee will start changing not only your relationship and your dynamic, but also just your child's behavior. But getting more specifically back to what you were saying about teaching your child about those emotions, walking them through that and verbalizing those emotions is so important. You can't expect your child to be able to recognize an emotion in themselves that they haven't even heard of or hasn't been labeled for them. Yeah. So just like how you would teach your child colors, even more importantly, in terms of social and emotional regulation, having the empathy for others and being able to recognize their own emotions and how they're feeling, your child needs to know these emotions and be able to label them and be comfortable with them. So what you're talking about labeling them and walking through them is perfect. And I even do that with myself. I'll be playing with Jude and I'll create scenarios where I'll purposefully knock down a tower and, oh man, I'm so frustrated. I worked so hard. And saying those things out loud, again, because knowing that he is able to go out into the world confident in terms of his own social and emotional well-being and being able to recognize those things in himself will allow him to think about those things in others as well. That's super helpful. I'm glad that you mentioned the ratio because I I think about you probably on a daily basis about that <laughs> ratio. Sophia is like days away from walking, which is crazy. She's only nine months. It's insane. And she has been like trying to pull down one of the fake plant trees that I have in the house. And I constantly saying to her, no, 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 because we're working on boundaries now at her age. 
And as soon as she stops, I hear you in my voice. And then I say, good job listening. Thank you for listening. And I like try to (laughs) praise her afterwards. And then she still goes back at it again and gives me that little smirk. Like, yeah, oh, I know what's going on here. But I have you in my head of like, I feel at her age, I'm just constantly saying no to her and just trying to stop her from getting into everything. And so I'm trying to constantly make sure I'm still talking and still praising her. So I appreciate you sharing that with everybody because that has made such a difference for me and my parenting. I didn't mean to take you off track though. So you said the first strategy was sleep, making sure that they have the independent skill of sleeping themselves because it's a gift for them to be able to show up as their best self and know how to do it on their own without us having to be a part of it. So what is the next thing that we need to know in order to be present and productive with our kids? And so another one, it was frankly a rude awakening for me was when Jude was an infant, it was easy to work because he Mm -hmm. would sleep all the time and anywhere, just lay Mm -hmm. on me and I could get on my computer and work away or get on my phone and work away, especially social media being the basis of where I was working at the time. A lot of it was on my phone. But as he was getting older, I recognized that one, he was awake more (laughs) (laughs) and two, that he was responding differently to me being on my computer or on my phone. And I started seeing a correlation between his unwanted behavior and whenever I was on a device, but typically specifically my cell phone. So Mm -hmm. naturally I had to dive into the science and found that the science showed that when a parent is on their phone, children express less willingness to explore their environments. They're more likely to act out and engage in unwanted behavior in an effort to gain their parents' attention, which is what I was directly seeing. Mm -hmm. And when a parent's on their device, there was another study that really showed that children are missing out on important skills that are acquired through observation, those social skills. So again, what behavior am I modeling for Jude? That whenever you're one-on-one with a person, like he and I were, that you look at your phone and just glance up every once in a while? Like, no, that isn't the behavior that I want to model for him. One study in particular that was really just a rude awakening for me, where a thousand children ages four to 18 were interviewed. And the most common terms that were used about their parents' cell phone use were that it made them feel sad, mad, lonely, that they were boring, that they weren't important. And the older kids were saying that they feel like that they're in a competition with their parents' phones. And so this led me to the realization that I have to be much more intentional about clearly separating my time as a mom and time that I am present and times where I'm being productive. Whereas before I was able to willy nilly mesh those two, that I never wanted to make you feel this way. And I was seeing what this research was saying was happening in children. I was directly seeing that with my own child. And I can say now that I've very clearly defined these two roles and been very mindful about when I do what, that I have seen a difference in my own child's behavior. So I would say that that is another big one is creating boundaries for yourself and creating a schedule and being very mindful and intentional about your device. So computer and phone use mm-hmm. when your child is present. Yeah. This is part of what I wanted to, to share with you. There have been times lately where Jack is getting into that spot. So Jack is Um, he'll be two and a half. He's like a little over two. So he'll be two and a half in November. And Sophia turns one in November. So they're just like a little under those ages. And 
<laughs> he has been getting into that part where she'll get into his stuff because she's nine months old and he has been doing the pushing. He's been mm-hmm. pushing her away. And so I pick him up, I move him and I think about you and I say, show me gentle hands. And I do all the techniques that I've learned from you. But the times that he does it are most often when I've pulled out my phone to text somebody, or I think of something that I need to do or something comes to mind and I pull out my phone. I notice more often than not, that is when the pushing starts and he's looking at me. He's like you said, trying to get my attention times when that's not the situation, but maybe he's watching TV. And so I pull out my phone, like, Oh, I'll just look at a little something or or read an email or whatever, which I try to not do that. But when that has happened recently in the past, like two to three weeks, he'll say, no, no, mama, no, no. And get like sad and tell me no. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all the mom feels. And so I was so excited for our conversation to talk about the science behind it, because I'm seeing it, like you said, firsthand. And I don't want that to be the case. And I like having the separation and being able to focus on him hundred percent and then go and focus on my work stuff hundred percent. So tell us after you read that science, What have you done to help separate the work and the mom? Because before you were doing both hand in hand, I have personally, we had a nanny and we don't anymore, unfortunately. So I have been doing the 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. wake up and work then, uh, and then squeezing in interviews and things like that when my husband can take over. So tell me, what have you found to compartmentalize the mom and the entrepreneur? So I have found that I have to have nap time. I swear I can get more done in this three hour window than I ever did in an eight hour work day. (laughs) But knowing that that is my most productive time, I had to have a, a conversation with my husband of, I need help. This is what I need. And expressing that, that's the biggest thing that I learned that I have to do being home, being a mom, being someone who works is when I recognize something is off, I have to step back and reevaluate and ask for help and be very clear about what I need from the people around me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I don't work in front of Jude. I do. I mean, I have to. So that's okay to work in front of your child. When you are going to do that, and whenever I do it, I tell you, like, hey, mommy needs to work. I'm going to work for 15 minutes. So I need you to go play. So rather than just trying to get stuff done and being on a device on and off all day long, that's confusing. So instead I would recommend, Hey, mom's going to do this for 15 minutes. Mom's going to do this for 20 minutes. And then we're going to, and let them know what you're going to do. Let them know what's happening and what's coming up. Something that I've cultivated for a very long time. It doesn't happen overnight is the skill of independent play. And I make sure that I set up the environment in a way that is conducive to independent play. That's another tip that I would give parents that they can implement now that they will see a difference in is go into your child's play area. Does it seem cluttered? Do you not know where to start? Or whenever you're cleaning up their toys, do you know where they go? And if you don't, or if you're feeling overwhelmed when you walk into that play area, or you don't know where to start, I can guarantee your child feels the same way. If they're feeling that way, you can't expect them to engage in sustained independent play. And so go in there, take all the toys out, put back a few things and less is more. So in terms of where to start, think of toys as a tool. Once your child has the right tools and they can start really working that creativity muscle, that's where your child really learns that skill of sustained play, which is 
vital to be able to work uninterrupted during the day. So cut down your child's toys and look for more passive toys. Look for toys that are going to cultivate creativity. Things that are really going to work that creativity muscle. Look at, is there a musical item? Is there something to build with? Do you have characters of some kind for pretend play? Something to take care of or something to act with? For movement toys, so balls or cars. And then you've got the basics. I'm always sure to have a puzzle present and some books. To encourage independent play, your child needs to learn to play rather than be entertained. A lot of times people think being entertained is play. And those are two very different skills. I should say entertained isn't a skill. Play is the skill here. (laughs) Uh And so, I mean, sure, the light up spinning talking toy seems like your child would play with it and it would keep them engaged for a while, but rather they're being entertained. And when your child's being entertained, they get bored quickly and they lose interest quickly. Then they will be expecting something novel all the time to keep them entertained. So rather... Look at these toys and think of toys as a tool. Once your child has the right tools, that's where your child really learns that skill of sustained play. Another one I would say is what I call prevention attention. We've been talking a lot about how we start seeing more unwanted behaviors from our child when we're distracted. Science supports that unwanted behaviors are often used for attention. Research also shows that if you are giving your child attention proactively, that that can decrease some of those unwanted behaviors later on. So I call it prevention attention. This is something, again, you can start implementing now. And it's something that I'm very intentional about in my household every morning. And so research shows that as little as 10 minutes, I challenge parents to do 15 minutes can result in a decrease in unwanted behavior later on. So make it a date. You can have mommy and Jack special time. You can come up with a cute name for it where you turn the TV off, you put your phone away. It is one-on-one time. And during that time, your child gets to lead play. It's the one time where you're not telling them what to do. They don't have to put their shoes on. You're not trying to get them to eat. It's literally a this is your time to be you, buddy, and I am right here with you, and we're having a date. No distractions. Let your child lead play, but take time to not place any demands, to not be critical of what they're doing, and really just sit with your child and think like a three-year-old in your case. This is going to go a long way in preventing, that's why it's called prevention attention, (laughs) preventing those unwanted attention-seeking behaviors later on in the day. So this is going to allow you to have that, okay, I need this 15 minutes of time to answer some emails. Your child's cup is going to be filled before you need to go get something done. Yeah. I love the points that you said, and I love that you've coined that phrase. What you're saying in the context of raising our kids and helping our kids is similar to, again, what I mentioned in my mompreneur with ease method, being that conversation is key. It's all about getting clear on what you need and what you want, and then being able to converse and get that support. And I love that you said it's not only a conversation between you and your husband of, hey, I need this and help with the mental load because it is so much, but it's also a conversation with you and Jude and saying, hey, mom's going to work. And I have been trying, again, thinking about you and communication. If I do need to work or if I need to do something or if I pull out my phone and he's like, 
mom know, I say, well, look, this is what mom's doing. Mom talks with other moms to help them do this. And I try to get him in the conversation or I try to let him look at my computer sometimes just solely that he can start to understand a little bit of like what's going on and feel a bit involved. hundred percent. And I think that what you're saying there, it's really important to recognize that your child can't live up to a hidden expectation. If your child isn't clearly communicated with and doesn't know what to expect from you as a parent and doesn't know what your expectations are of them, they're never going to live up to it. It works like that with us as adults that we can't live up to a hidden expectation. I'm sure it's happened where you've got this grand idea, maybe you want to do for your birthday or anniversary. And when that cutesy thing didn't happen, you were then left disappointed because your significant other again, couldn't live up to some hidden expectation you had in your head. And it's the same with our children, no matter how young, you have to be clear of what your expectations are for them, but also what they can expect from you. Yeah, that is, I think now that you say that one of the biggest things that I learned from you when we were doing the sleep training was Jack was accustomed to being held and rocked to go to sleep. And so you taught us that, well, we just need to change his expectation of this is what happens when we go to sleep now. And I think that obviously is playing through in all of this of, yeah, it's the expectations and the communication. If you can communicate and you can share with your kids. And if we do that in all parts of our life, I always think that communication is key and allows things to just move more easily. hundred percent. And with this independent play thing, I'm talking about it now, like it's something that happens so beautifully and you just goes in and plays and I can work uninterrupted for 20 minutes and sure some days that happens but oftentimes it doesn't and I have to redirect him back and that's okay but why he's able to do that is because I've been consistent Mm -hmm. so a lot of times especially with pre-verbal children you don't communicate your expectations through words it's through how you respond and being consistent. That's how you communicate your expectations with your child. He's able to now sit and play independently for a while because we've been working on this for a really long time. So don't just think that it's going to happen overnight. So I would recommend if you're going to start practicing independence, set a timer, say, Hey, mom's going to work for two minutes. If that's where you're starting out, if that's Mm. where it is, that's great. Set your timer, have them go play for two minutes. Whenever the timer goes off, you just played by yourself. Great job. Mom's all done. Let's play together. And then try it again. Then up into three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, and you will get there. Learning a new skill is hard. Changing Mm -hmm. expectations is hard. So you have to give your child a grace period to learn and have patience and grace yourself during that time. Yeah. I think it's also good for us to remember too, that everything takes time. Our business is going to take time. hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah. It's like, we need the lessons that we give our kids just as much as they need it from us. So yeah, tell us in terms of support, I'm sure everybody's going to be listening to this and thinking, okay, this is all amazing. I know I have a lot to work on for people who want next steps with you. Where should people go? Because everybody listening, you've got to go check her out. Tell us what our next steps are. So I am on Instagram um, at teaching tinies. And there I share little snippets like this. I love giving parents strategies that they can start implementing today that I can guarantee they'll start seeing a difference. And then I also, um, my website, teachingtinies.com. That's awesome. I'll have that all linked in the show notes for everybody. So you can quickly and easily get there and find all the amazing things that Thea does. Thea, are you ready for some rapid fire questions? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. So tell me, what is your favorite strategy to help you be a more present and productive mompreneur besides what you've taught us here today? 
Oh my. So I would say one of the biggest strategies is organization. I had to learn to get organized as a parent. So I put everything on a calendar and I've got my different calendars. I've got my personal family, Jude, teaching tinies, and it's all color coded. And I start my day every morning with a post-it note where I just write, these are the things that need to get done today. So that has been so important for me to be productive. And it has also allowed me now that I'm more organized to be more present with my family. Mm -hmm. Less mental load thinking through the to-do list and all the things you want to do because it's like you clear the clutter of your mind and get it down and then you can move on. My husband thinks I'm crazy sometimes, but I keep a notepad next to the bed because sometimes I'll wake up at 3 a.m. and I mean, oh gosh, I have to schedule Jude's haircut. I have to get carpet cleaners. I need to do X, Y, and Z for work. And I can't close all those files in my brain. And so I just have to get it down on paper. And once it's on paper, it freeze my brain. <laughs> yes. That's I've had many mompreneurs on and we've talked about the calendar being so important because I say, if it's not on my Google calendar, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to know it exists. If I don't get that reminder, I need to take it out of my mind because there's too many other things in there. So exactly. I love when other people are on my level with that. <laughs> All right. Tell me what is the number one essential support you have that you can't live without? In terms of support, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but it's going to definitely be the people around me. Obviously, my husband being willing to share the mental load. I mean, it doesn't have to be a spouse. You're just having a person there that you know that you can count on or just even talk to is so important. Mm -hmm. So between my siblings, my mom, my husband, just having that support around me has allowed me to be a good mom and to be productive in my business. Yeah, no, I love that. I love when people answer with their husband or their family or their spouse. Like I love when it's a person that just lights me up and makes me happy to know again, that the people I'm having on are you're my people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's even so important as a mom, as a woman in business, surrounding yourself with people like you, even it's all about where's your team and who's on your team and who can you count on? Yeah. I love that. Tell me what's your go-to self-care activity. So I always wake up before Jude. As a parent, you know, when your kids wake up, it is go time. Mm -hmm. And I can't fire on all cylinders if I'm just jumping out of bed and it's go time. So Mm -hmm. I always make sure that I am awake before Jude. I get outside every single morning, expose myself to the sun, fresh air. It's just one of those things that allows me to just be in a place of gratitude and positivity, Mm -hmm. just being outside. So that's something that I always do for myself and allows me to get in a good mindset to start my day. And then I move in some way every day. I'm not going to act like I'm like this exercise by any means, but even if it's (laughs) a really long walk with my family in the evening, I have to move. And then another thing that really fills my cup is we eat dinner as a family every night. It can be a challenge sometimes just making dinner and getting all plates made, but it's something that once we're seated and all together, it just makes my heart happy. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and then spending one-on-one time with my husband. I mean, we got married for a reason and I really like hanging out with him. So yeah. uh, it's one of those things that I, Jude goes to bed at eight o'clock. That's something that is so important because it has allowed Austin and I to maintain our relationship rather mm-hmm. than we're parents now it's 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 different it's like no I liked how we were and that made me really happy and so that's something that we've always prioritized yeah I love that yeah I just was recently saying about Colin like Colin you're you're my person like he's Jack 
has been lately saying, no, mama, don't talk to Dada, talk to Jack. And so I'm like, but I like to talk to Dada. He's my right? best friend. I keep like verbalizing that to him. Like I that was to more than one, him. but it's kind of like a, a treatment package for me in terms of what I need to make sure that, that I am cared for. Yes. No, I love that. All right. Last but not least, tell me your most stereotypical mompreneur story. I think kids running through a zoom call with underwear on their heads. What is a funny and relatable thing that you can share with us that has happened to you in your mompreneur life? So thankfully what I do 90% of the time when I'm talking to families, they have a child running around <laughs> or crying in the background. A lot of times it's why they're contacting me. Yes. So I don't have that pressure really of mm -hmm. making sure everything's buttoned up with my child. But last week, Jude had a stuffy nose mm -hmm. and I was on a Zoom call like this with another mom. And he's again, usually pretty good about giving me 15 minutes here and mm -hmm. there, but had a stuffy nose. And I guess from me blowing his nose, he decided to take it upon himself to blow his nose without a tissue. And so he came in, I was in the dining room. He was just in our living room handful of, I mean, no other word for it, it's not yep. put it in front of my face, in front of the camera. So almost directly in front of the camera. And he called it boobers instead of boogers and proclaimed over and over boobers, mama boobers in front of the camera. So the lovely mom who I was talking to got an up close look at, at oh, my child's boogies of his boobers. <laughs> So I had to take a little break that day to go do some hand washing, but thankfully most of the moms that I'm working with are very understanding. So I don't yeah. have that pressure to be hundred percent professional all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's just us being like, Hey, we get it. And probably laughing it because like that is us in many situations too. Like we're all there for each other. That's why I love being able to support fellow mompreneurs and just connecting with other mompreneurs because we all can like laugh together and just be on this wild roller coaster ride together and know that we're not alone. And so I love hearing that story. I loved having you on this. I mean, again, as usual, my notes are crazy, but this time guys, I literally think I have seven pages of notes and I can't <laughs> wait to get it all together in the show notes. If there's anything that you need that we talked about from this episode, that's where you can find it is in the show notes. Thea, thank you again for joining us. I so, so appreciate all of your amazing insights into how to be present and productive as a mompreneur and how to do it with our kids. And thanks so much for having me. And I really hope people take these ready to go strategies, start implementing them today and can approach parenthood being empowered and confident in what they're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Go take action now, guys. You've got a few things that you can do and it's going to make your life a whole lot better. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Want more? Head to themompreneurguy.com to grab my personal framework for living a present and productive life and to hear my real-time ahas on Telegram. See you next time.